So let me, I wanted to start off, um, cause I haven't talked to you in a while. And, uh, the first thought I had was to ask you was simply to, uh, to refresh my memory as to what branch of service you served in. And I, uh, and if you were ever trained in, um, and being captured and put in, in, in a, as a prisoner of war. Yeah, so uh, I served with the United States Army for 20 years. All 20 years of that was within the Special Operations Community. Uh, the first three years was with the 1st Ranger Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, and then 17 years as an Army Green Beret in Special Forces. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been extensively trained in captivity. All, all special operators are graduate, you know, go-to uh, what is called SEER school, which stands for survival, evasion, resistance, and a word that we can't say while we're in jail because then they will charge us with an additional crime, but it starts with an E. Um, so, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> we are highly trained, uh, and, and it, you know, we're, we're trained at the highest level of SEER, uh, which is reserved for those who have the most likely uh, possibility of being captured. So fighter pilots, uh, aircraft pilots, uh, special operators all go through a uh, high risk or tier level C, uh, and the Air Force has programs. The uh, Army Special Operations Command has programs that so we're prepared for a high likelihood of being captured, uh, and so our our training is quite uh, intense and quite extensive. I imagined it would be, and I guess my question is: Did you ever consider for a moment? during that training that you would be captured by your own country? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I don't like to look at this as being captured by my country. I look at the country as being uh, you and me, and I look at uh, my captors as being the enemies of our country. Uh, they would fall in the domestic category, as mentioned uh, in my oath. Um as well as, uh, you know, the, who our founders were, were anticipating having to face yes. uh, when they wrote that. So, so yeah, I mean, look, uh, we all know, it's like the song says, everybody knows, right? Everybody knows. Like, everybody knows something's going on. Uh, there's just some of us who have a much better knowledge of what's going on than others. But, you know, uh, the, the reality is that... Uh, America has been is, a, is an occupied country. I mean, the government that is in charge, the federal government, is completely compromised and are not working on the behalf of the American people. And they are working, and they are working on the behalf of our enemies, whether that be the communist, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, whether it be uh, the corrupt uh, European globalist, uh, whether it be the World Economic Forum or whoever. Or all of the above. They are not working for. They, they are not working for the American people, and I think that is becoming painfully evident. Yes. If you even believe a portion of what you see happening in front of you today, whether it's the Trump indictment or whether it's the revelation uh, that has slid in under the cover of the Trump indictment, and that is the revelations of the audio recordings of the Biden crime syndicate uh, being caught by their corrupt Ukrainian friends. Yes. I agree. No, I agree. I just thought I wanted to, I just wanted to ask that question. I was thinking about it, uh, cause I mainly thought 
Um, last time I talked to you, you're able to maintain such good spirits, uh, something I would hope I'd be able to do. And so I thought, I'm sure he must have gotten some training on this subject uh, to do this. Last time we talked, we talked about your podcast. It was the first time that I heard that you were doing a podcast, and which I absolutely love. I think, I think it's great. And then I guess today we're reaching out to talk about what you're doing with that uh, as of now. Is that correct? Yeah, so, um, you know, the original launch of the podcast was really intended to um, be a, 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 you know, kind of a, a, a compliment to my uh, Florida House of Representatives campaign, but then also uh, a lead into my trial. After the trial, we kind of uh, act off. We didn't do as many episodes, but here recently, we've just kind of gotten back into it. My, my co-host, uh, Jen... Uh, really felt uh, a need and a calling to to do more with it, and so we've we've now gone back to daily podcast, and we've rebranded it. It started out as the Freedom Family Fairness Report way back when, and now it is we call it the Fusion Cell. And the intent of that is because what I want to do is take all of this disparate information and this intelligence that we get from all of these so many sources of information, whether it be independent, alternative, or mainstream propaganda media. And take all of this, because the, this is one of the, a lot of people don't understand, is that you can learn a lot by listening to the enemy's propaganda if you know what you're listening for, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, you, you should never read the New York Times expecting to get news, and you should never watch MSNBC expecting to get news. But what you should watch it and read it for is to find out what the what your enemies want you to think, right? Because yeah. then you reverse engineer that and you know where they're going, right? Yeah. And so the intent of the podcast is really to act much like an intelligence fusion cell where they take in all this information and they bring it together to kind of uh, paint a, a big picture so you can see where this story about uh, cows in Ireland, how it ties into Elon Musk and Neuralink and how that ties into uh, the latest uh, climate crisis scare in New York and how that ties into, uh, you know, Pfizer's new RSV vaccine, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, because... We're so used to hearing and being bombarded with all this information, and we never really take the time to say, this is how this fits into the big puzzle. And, and so many people, without a view of that big picture and without a view of that big puzzle, they they just, when you say things like depopulation, then they, they throw up their hands. They're like, oh, well, that's complete crazy talk. Well, if it's crazy talk, saying it, in the open so many times about so many things. And I just talked about this last week on the podcast, A, because I'm a captive audience here in jail, I get to watch a lot of uh, podcasts that I wouldn't normally. And I was watching a podcast, a TED Talk from July of 2010, and the guy describing the decade of 2010 to 2020 as being the decade where we bend the population curve. Well, that sounds familiar. It's like 15 days to, to flatten the curve. Right? Yeah. Well, here they are just openly talking about how there's just too many people. There's too many people being made, and we need to bend that curve. Well, bend that curve means that we have to reduce population. Well, 
that is the population, right? Yeah. I mean, but see, if you don't ever tie these things into a big picture, the, the claim that there is a depopulation agenda, it does sound conspiratorial and, and kind of crazy. But, I mean, they give us plenty of evidence. We just don't, we don't take the time to look at it. And you, you know this. I mean, you, you've been with an organization that's, that's done this for decades. And so uh, that's, what, that's what we're trying to do. But I'm trying to do it from a perspective of using my along this journey as the doctrinal template for unconventional warfare, which I spent 20 years being an expert in and highly trained in. And, and so that's kind of the, 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 the gist is to take the stories of today and tie them into a historic perspective that is directly related to the military doctrinal template for unconventional warfare. So that's really the direction that we're going with the podcast now. That sounds great. That sounds uh, exciting and definitely a step up from uh, the, where it was. It, it all makes sense. I'm very curious about something you mentioned. You mentioned how the cows, the, the killing the 200,000 cows in, um, in Ireland is connected to Elon Musk's Neuralink. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I wasn't making a direct link there, but I mean, there certainly is. I got you. Because, I mean, one of these things that, that, that uh, I think it's uh, uh, Nuval Noah or whatever it is, yeah. has talked about, or the World Economic Forum has talked about the ability to biologically track your actual individual consumption and off-gassing of greenhouse gases, right? Yeah. Well, how are they going to do this? They're going to do this through the integration of technology and your own biology, right? Well, that's where, you know, that's where Neuralink would play into to factor, right? I mean, we don't know all the capabilities that Elon has planned for Neuralink, but we could certainly read Paul Schwab's writings about the fourth industrial revolution and listen to his speeches and his talk about how everything that you're going to do, because you were tied in and integrated with the machine, you know, with your, you're with, you're integrated with Skynet, right? And now they're going to have an app for that. They're going to have the ability to say, oh, well, you've done 87 uh, exhales today, which each one had this amount of CO2, and therefore that's how much you've contributed. Oh, you can't eat any cow today. You know? yeah. <laughs> it, it's really a dystopic uh, landscape that we're looking out across, but it is exactly what they're telling us. And, and, I, and I point to the story, uh, I guess, recently at one of their forums, where they play a video of this young lady describing how uh, at work her, her brain waves are being monitored by her boss and how she likes some guy that's in the cubicle down the way and she hopes her boss doesn't find out by reading her brainwave patterns and how they're going to subpoena the company's brainwave data because one of the guys is in fraud, right? And so this whole scenario, it sounds like, oh my gosh, this is completely crazy. And then the lady ends it with saying, does this sound like a, a unique future? Well, it's not the future. It's happening right now. So, I mean, they, they are actively employing a lot of these techniques. And, and look, I, I, I've worked in non-standard equipment, non-standard funding, and things like that. The reality is, by the time the average American hears about something, it's already been working for 10, 20 years. I mean... 
that's just the reality. I mean, I remember in the early, uh, it was probably 2011 or whatever, uh, some of the sensor technology that was in development by civilian companies and, and, and these brilliant individuals, and that's what the military does. They, they go to these conferences, they sit in on these presentations, and if they hear something that they think can have a military application to it, they will seize on that technology and draw it into uh, the military and intelligence industrial complex, and that's how things get classified. So things like geofencing, that now everybody, you know, now they sell halo dog collars, right? Well, that technology that is now commercially available for your dog in 2023, we were uh, looking at being uh, applied to the military in, you know, 2010, 2011, right? I mean, all of these, the biological sensor information now that's on your Apple Watch or now that they're trying to integrate into your iPhone, we've been working on that for decades because just like what you see in the movies, like an alien, right, where you've got the operators on the ground and they're getting taken out by the aliens and you see their vital signs all going to red, well, they're developing that ability, right, and they're using it in a military application. But now they're talking about it in a commercial application, like the, the rings that you see. And I don't want to harp on Elon too much, but I wanted to get your opinion on something um, because everyone seems to uh, be developing this trust and love for Elon Musk. My research <laughs> has shown me that he's a total fraud um, in every way, and it's extremely verifiable. I mean, there is no evidence to suggest otherwise. And from what I can tell, um, the reason people are starting to like him is just simply because he's he's sharing right winger memes. He's using right winger lingo, which I find to be just as brainwashing and cult like as left wing lingo and and left wing memes and stuff. So he's gaining all this trust and everyone seems to think he's going to be some kind of a. Savior or some kind of guy on our side. And so my question to you is in unconventional warfare, is there training that is like this where they, you know, depose to, to sort of have, because it seems to me like they're creating this, um, this very strange and dark and weird enemy like Klaus Schwab and Noel Harari and all this stuff. And they're deliberately putting these psychopaths out there so that we can compare them to people like Elon Musk and other people and make Elon Musk look appealing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it is absolutely a technique. Um, I mean, this is one of the things that is very easy to do in kind of this, like, mass psychosis state that we're in, which is, you know, we're so desperate to find anybody <laughs> that yeah. will be on our side that will accept anybody to be on our side. And, you know, look, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you do it through the correct perspective. I mean, I tell people all the time the, 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 what makes special forces so effective is that we work with the bad guys to get to the worst guys, right? I mean... Uh, I mean, in Afghanistan or Iraq, you're often working with people that are just complete scumbags, but they're not the worst scumbags. That's the guy they're helping us get to, right? 
And I'm not calling Mr. Musk a scumbag. I mean, he has a lot of money, and maybe he can help me with my legal defense. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, he definitely has history uh, that would not make him some kind of, uh, you know, conservative savior. And he's the very guy that I believe made the statement, beware of the AI gods, while he's developing AI. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, anyone in the AI space, I mean, and I'm no tech nerd, right? But I've seen Terminator, okay? And so when all of the actual people working in the space are befuddled and baffled, by what they're seeing. And again, this all goes back to what I said before. If you're seeing it, somebody else has seen it before you, right? So what you're seeing now as the layperson out there about these executives coming out and saying, oh, we, maybe we need to pause this whole thing. Trust me, something five years ago happened and it made people worry, right? So, yeah, I mean, he has... The entire thing, which is that, that if you know, if it becomes sentient, if it becomes you know self-aware, to use the Terminator terminology, well, he would know that that would be a problem. So therefore, he's aware that the space is dangerous, and that he, as a single individual, can't possibly be the one benevolent AI creator, right? Yeah. So knowing this. And why is he not against it? Why is he still in the space developing it? So, I mean, and then you've got the issues with his personal relationships. You know, look, I mean, I've been with a lot of crazy women in my life, right? So I'm not going to fault him on that. But, I mean, I if I wore a Satan T-shirt out in public, people might question, uh, you know, what I was thinking. And so, I, look, I don't know. I don't know the guy. I, I have seen some reports. In fact, I think I've seen some of your reports on them. And here's, this is what we need to realize. Everyone that we see on Big Brother's telescreen, we see for a reason. Right? Our savior is not going to be somebody who's popular, who's rich, who is successful in the ways of the world right now, whether it's Elon Musk or whether it's Donald Trump. A politician is not going to save us. We need to start realizing that we are the answer to these problems, yeah. right? And so, yeah, Elon Musk is able to gain popularity within those who like liberty and freedom simply by saying, hey, I, I think we should be able to say whatever we want. But see, we're so desperate for somebody to say just the simple things that if anybody simply utters a little bit of common sense and has a blue check mark by their name, then my gosh, they're the next conservative hero. Yeah. And that is an indication of how bad things are. Yeah. I mean, if you were to utter the kindergarten cop line that boys have penises and girls have vagina, you might be the next Republican candidate for the United States presidency, right? This is how desperate we are for people to stand up because, in essence, America has become a nation of cowards who will only tell you what they believe if they can get three forms of verification that you agree with them. And this is not the country that our founders uh, established, and it certainly isn't the way they established it. And until we start to stand up, for our own beliefs and principles and not rely on these manufactured heroes 
these superheroes that are given to us by the media, well, then we're never going to fix the problem. I couldn't agree more. I think, um, I think uh, we've forgotten about we the people, and we've become slaves, and most of us without even knowing it, really. And so, like, and that's so we're just sitting on the sidelines cheering for a guy on TV, like you said, on the mainstream box. And I'm really starting to think that AI is really the biggest threat. And I'd love to get your opinion on this. And the reason that I'm saying that now is because. I'm trying to see what they're, what's going on and like everything's a distraction and what's it a distraction about. And, and I just saw a, a video recently. It was totally nonpartisan, nonpolitical. It was like a Canadian Christian guy talking about AI. And what he was saying, basically, he said, at this point, tyranny is almost inevitable because eventually, because now that we're seeing this rollout of AI and chat GPT and stuff, and uh, eventually in the very near future, if not like this year or soon, Reality is going to become indistinguishable from AI as far as television and video and stuff like that. And once it gets to that point, which is right around the corner, then the people are going to demand that the government do something. And that the only answer to that is is either get rid of AI, which I think would be the smart option, or tyranny. Oh, well, I mean, you can demand the government to do something all day long, but the government is the one that's been funding. I mean, no, we just had the big conference where the Biden administration, uh, what, committed, I think it was like a hundred and something billion dollars to uh, AI development and safety protocols. I mean, DARPA's been working on this stuff for years. I mean, years. Again, we are way behind the power curve. The tyranny is not coming, it is already here. I mean, just in my interview alone, I had the Department of Homeland Security telling me that Facebook and Twitter pushed them the information that them to come look at me. Now, of course, they were lying about that being the reason they came to talk to me, but they weren't lying about the fact that it's actually how it does work. They, didn't, they just didn't use it at that time, right? This is all driven AI and I mean, look, you can't listen to a radio commercial these days for any type of tech device that doesn't mention with the use of AI, right? Yeah, it's already in the commercial sphere, right? I mean, and so uh, you, you say, is it the biggest threat? No, it, it is a weapon, just like a nuclear weapon is a weapon, right? The the, the greatest threat is the military that has this other weapon, right? AI is just simply another weapon in the toolbox of those who seek to control the world. And that's all it is. I mean, the, the reality is that they want way fewer of us. Yeah. But they know that they like all the things that we contribute to the world, and so they have to have some type of replacement and AI is one of those replacements. And in the meantime, it's also going to help to serve, you know, the the surveillance grid, right? Because all of these systems that track billions and billions of data entry points per second have to be managed by this AI technology, right? Because it's too much for any other, uh, you know, quantum computing and all this other. All, all, these things are all needed in order to track 8 billion people and every single thing that they do. But this is what they, they want. 
right? And they've told us that this is what they want through the dystopic pre, uh, pre-programming of minority report and, you know, total recall. I mean, every single sci-fi movie you watch has some element of this surveillance state built into it. I mean, look at Elysium, for example, a movie that most people probably have never heard of but has Matt Damon in it where the Earth is the slave colony and it's managed by AI robots as the prison guards while all the elites live on a space station. Meanwhile, in reality, they're developing all these things, right? They're talking about colonizing Mars and colonizing the moon and building all these... I mean, we can laugh and joke about, oh, well, that's just in the movies, but they're literally doing exactly what they've always said. It's coming to fruition... And it doesn't end well for the mass of humanity. At least it never does in any of the movies. No, I suspect the colonizing Mars is part of the depopulation. I would imagine that whoever boards these ships to go to Mars and join the colony uh, are just going to go bye-bye, and no one will ever hear about it. That's Because I think depopulation really is what it's about. And the good news is, is I'm starting to see it come out in pop culture. Like I'm, Like it's starting to become – like I've heard, for example, people use the slang term – Depop is being used now by the kids, you know. So people are really starting to get it. The kids, sixty yeah, percent <laughs> of them probably agree with it, like Marxism. Right. Survey, right? And and this is the thing is that the this mass psychological uh, control that has applied isn't hiding any of this stuff, right? Like, the things that you've heard discussed for years, the things that I've heard discussed for years, the things I've seen with my own eyes, right? The, the, these you things used to be, be mocked as conspiracy theories. Now, they're admitted to, and then those used to just condition that this is just the way it is. I mean, I heard somebody saying that it takes a two-year-old less than, like, ten minutes to learn how to use a, a tablet now, right? So they're literally raising kids up in the matrix. Well, how many generations are, are we from just putting them right into the, the the little bobble of jelly, right? Like in the matrix, right? We're not very far out from that. No. And you ask kids and they're like, yeah, no, I'm good with that. If I could just be in the video game all day long with the woman in red, I, I'm fine with that. And, the, and this is the problem. This is why there's no will and no appetite for liberty. You said that you think AI is one of your biggest threats, and I think that the true threat is the institutional information dominance that has led multiple generations into believing these massive lies and being okay with them, right? I mean, and this is this is where... This is where we are, right? You and I, right? We get it, okay? We, we've been in the military. We fought for this. And now even as non-military people, we fight for truth. We dig. We read. We research. We speak out. We don't allow nonsense to go unaddressed, right? But this is not the people that make up this country, right? I mean, we talk about fake news. But the sad reality is that 75% of the population doesn't even watch the fake news. Yeah. Right? I mean, they're not, they're not even into the, the infotainment 
version of the propaganda because they were captured by the Kardashians or the NBA playoffs or all this other nonsense. They couldn't tell you the first thing about anything that is happening today, right? And this is those are the ones that are the, that are answering the survey about Marxism with a favorable view because they don't even know what Marxism is. Right. I, mean, I just heard a, a survey where they asked uh, young people, I think age 18 to 25 or whatever, I can't remember, I'm in jail, so I don't have real good uh, ability to pull this stuff up. But the survey was, would you be okay with the installation of security cameras in your home if it meant a reduction in domestic violence? And like some crazy percentage, like 40, 50, or 60% of them were like, yeah. Yeah. Right? And this kind of goes back to the whole traffic light, the red light camera debate, where you would have people saying, well, I don't run red lights, so what do I care? You know, it's like uh, it's like the, the classic Fourth Amendment. Well, I don't, you know, wiretapping and, and NSA surveillance. Well, I'm not saying anything illegal. Why do I care if they listen to my conversation? They're just going to be bored. Ha, 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 ha. Well, yeah, but that's because you don't know who is determining what's illegal yeah right today your boring conversation about your son's hockey practice tomorrow might be illegal because you use the word son like brave new world where you're not allowed to mention mother and father that's right right i mean this is the problem that people have been conditioned and and uneducated and miseducated into not even caring. I mean, this is why we can't get people to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, eh, I don't want to go. I'm, I'm going to live with my mom and dad. Yeah. I'm 40 years old. It's, and you have the birth rate that's plummeting, and you have confused women because there's no men. You have confused men because they've been bashed by a society, right? Then you have our kids being sexually mutilated. Like, I mean, is such a mess, and for the most part, people are okay with it. I mean, an overwhelming plurality of college kids are, are on board with the transgender agenda. I think it goes I mean, back to what even get. I think it goes to what you were saying earlier. Is that it's. It's almost like liberty goes hand in hand with uh, ambition or drive or something. And if you don't have any ambition or drive, then you're just totally okay with being a domesticated pet playing video games and hooked up to virtual reality all day because, you know, that's all you really care about. Uh, And it's hard for me to comprehend that point of view. Uh, My next question to you is going to be, what can we do about, how can we give people an appetite for liberty aside from you know, locking them in a cage and showing them what the opposite really is. Because it seems to me almost like the more we talk about it, it seems to me almost like a lot of people just don't have it in them. You know, and, and, you know, this is the, look, <laughs> and I, I hate this question because the what can we do is the question from people who are, severely outnumbered and those are the ones that actually want to change something right and and to be honest i i think this this country might be like a drug addict 
right? And, and it might be like somebody whose life is completely run by their debt, right? Dave Ramsey, the, the financial advisor, says, until you are actually mad at your situation, you'll never change, right? You're going to always stick to those habits because that's what's comfortable, because you're complacent. But until you hit rock bottom, you're not going to change. And I'm afraid that that's where we are. I'm afraid that you, what you and I see as us being in tyranny, we know is just the beginning of the end, right? Oh, no, it's the, it's the end of the beginning, right? Like, the, the worst is way far yet to come, right? I mean, people... I mean, I talk to guards and, and they say, oh, man, things are really screwed up. I'm like, dude, this isn't nothing. No, this is I, good, I mean, yeah. I've, I've been in countries that are way past the point that we are right now, right? Where, where literally the buildings are falling down, everyone's barefoot, uh, you know, uh, people are literally drinking out of, of, of feces, water, out of, the, uh, out, of, out of the ditch. I mean, like... We can be there, but see, we're so twi- our, our minds are so twisted by by normalcy bias and cognitive dissonance that we're like, oh, whoa, this is the worst it could be. No, we're not even close to the worst that it can be. Right? I I agree. And unfortunately, because we can all tell ourselves how bad it is, but yet not actually experience how bad it is. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I could walk out uh, of this jail into public. And and seventy five percent of the people are overweight. That tells me this isn't as bad as it gets. Yeah. Because see, it can get so bad where nobody will be overweight. And 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 I think unfortunately that might be what it takes. I mean, it might take the spiraling into complete tyranny and totalitarianism in order for people to say, oh, my gosh, we've got to do something. I mean, look, Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes about how, well, they didn't realize how bad it was until they were in the gulag. Yeah. And I I think with this level of psychological control and this level of mass psychosis where everyone's running around just worrying about and believing in complete lunacy. I mean, yesterday... Major things happened in the world, and the only thing I was able to learn about was Trump's indictment. Yep. I mean, it's complete. I mean, it. it I mean, up is down. That yeah. And left is right, and 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 black is night is day. I mean, we are in the upside down, and I don't know that you or I or anybody can do anything about it. And then and then you have the, the, the branch of Americans that the FBI loves, right? Those are the ones that are, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight. I'm going to do this. And then you look at him, and it's, the dude's 350 fucking pounds. And it's like, dude, you're, you couldn't run to the end of the driveway. Yeah. You're going to fight off the New World Order? I mean, I mean, look at January 6th. The fact that people even believe the story means that we're screwed, Greg. I know. I mean, they literally believe that 20 people who had the foresight to leave their weapons in another state because it's illegal to have them in D.C. 
tried to overthrow the government. Yeah. I mean, and and people believe this narrative. And so, I I mean, I just don't know. I agree. I I agree. And and, and you're anywhere anywhere close to it. And you're talking about the Trump. Are going to be the poor revealers that die before things get bad enough for people to actually do anything about it. No, I mean, I agree. And you're talking about the. That's what I fear. I agree. I fear the same thing, especially you're, you brought up the Trump, the Trump thing. Um, it drives me crazy every day uh, to hear about anything to do with the 2024 election. Like as far uh, because what you don't hear is you don't hear people talking about how it's hopeless because it's going to be rigged because that's the truth. The truth is, is an election and a two party system is a dead end street. It's not any solution to any of our problems. But yet that's all people are talking about while we're losing everything behind the scenes. But, Greg, do you know why they're not talking about how 2024 is going to be rigged? Because they were told that we lost 2022. Why? Because of two reasons that are complete fabrication. The first is, oh, well, they kept talking about 2020, and that's why they lost. And people are believing that. And so now they're afraid to talk about the rigged election yeah. because they think that's why they lost in 2022. And then the second is abortion. Are you serious? You expect me to believe that the Republicans lost because of abortion? Well, if that's the case, well, then why are all these states passing? <laughs> I mean, it's they completely they're lying to us it is like the author who writes about uh about what it was like in soviet russia and she says that if they lied to us we knew that they were lying they knew that we knew that they were lying they continued to lie and we pretended to believe them this is the mental state in america now and so yeah, I mean, it, it's like I always tell her, you, we're not going to change things by voting in rigged elections, by suing in corrupt courts, and by uh, hashtagging on censored media. And yet, the French are out in the streets over a two-year increase in their retirement age. Yeah. Well, that's... What is it, it going to take to get Americans in the street? Apparently... They might never end up in the street. I mean, hell, uh, we might be all dead from nuclear war and, and cricket overdose before anybody ever gets in the streets. I mean, I used to, when we, when we were deployed to Bolivia, the Bolivians, during one rotation down there, would have two, three, four work stoppages in, in, a, in a two or three month period, right? They didn't like something happening in the government. They were just going to sit in the streets. I mean, literally, they'd take out the old school uh, schoolhouse desk and they'd plop them right in the streets until they got well, whatever change they wanted. They they just did that. Not uh, not even since I've been in jail with some bill that they passed, some big communist bill. They called it the communist bill, right? And they just went and they flooded the streets and just they did nothing to be it should be right up the american alley right to do nothing just go out in the street and do nothing don't go to work don't buy anything don't tune into their tv just sit in the street and make everything stop and you will see things change but we can't even do that 
it, 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 it's really it's really troubling some to me because I'm sitting in here in jail hoping that by telling everybody the truth of what's going on that they will save me and I my I'm like I, I don't think I'm going to get saved. You have one. I, I don't. I don't know that Americans care. Yeah, you know, after the um, the uh, trucker convoy, the failed trucker convoy attempt in America, following the 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 awesome Canadian one, I kind of <laughs> came to the same conclusion as you: is Americans just don't seem to have it in them. We've been upstaged by the French. Greg. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. The French, the French has outdone us, uh, and it's so deep in our American culture to make fun of the French for being wusses. Uh, that's obviously not true compared to us. And it's so deeply ingrained in our culture to to like talk about freedom and liberty and all this stuff. But uh, where where is that in reality? I I, I don't know. Um, I, I love what you said about. One last thing, Jeremy. I, I love what you said about you're doing this podcast to try to ins- wake people up so that they, so that we, the people, will save you. I, I think that's brilliant because that's our, 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 my opinion, our only hope. And uh, obviously, we've been blackpilling the listeners lately, but our only hope is is unity, is to unify together as we, the people, and realize that's where our strength is, and that's where the liberty really lies. Is is within unity. Well, that, that's, that's exactly right. And if we can't unify around the idea of liberty, well, then, then we don't deserve liberty. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, if, if we cannot unify around the idea that I want to live my life and I want you to live your life and I don't want you to bother me and I won't bother you, if we can't unite around that, if the other, if the alternative is no government knows best, and 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 you just don't realize it, well then then we just deserve to to, to let it all play out. But I, I know that we've been brutally harsh, like you said, or black feeling, right? But look, this is what a champions do, right? I mean, champions and elite organizations don't get behind closed doors and pat each other on their back. And, and this is what I try to tell people all the time. I mean, uh, you know, special force, the most successful special forces mission, the after action review, uh, you might have a fist fight in there, right? Something <laughs> that happened on that mission that didn't go right. It just doesn't look like that way from the outside. And so we need to be super critical of all this thing. But let me give a, a little ray of hope. I mean, this is how it is, right? I mean, no, I agree. I mean, I'm not arguing. I agree. The, the bread and butter mission of, of the Green Berets is unconventional warfare, which the main tactic in unconventional warfare is the winning of hearts and minds. You see, when we go into these countries, we're not going into a full stadium of people ready to fight for their freedom. <laughs> That's just not the way it is. And so I know this, right? I just, I struggle with seeing my country be the way that every single country that ever has unconventional warfare employed in it is, which is a very small segment of the population willing to do what 
what the United States foreign policy wants them to do, and that's why the Green Berets are there. And then you recruit from the ground up. And, and that's what it takes. And so really, I mean, if, if we're going to survive this tyranny, if we're going to recapture America, because like I said, everyone's like, oh, our republic is collapsing. No, no, our republic's way, way far gone. Yeah. Like way gone. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're deep we into the mess of democracy. Yeah, we have to recapture and reestablish our republic. And in order to do that, we're going to have to recruit. We're going to have to win the hearts and minds of Americans. We're going to have to say to that, I think it's a woman. It looks like it could have been a man. It has purple hair. I don't know. We're going to have to go to that individual and say, you do know that if this happens or this happens, this is going to happen to you, that the path you're on isn't right. And and we're going to have to proselytize around liberty. And that is how unconventional warfare works. You just don't – my Green Beret team just doesn't halo in behind enemy lines and have thousands of guerrillas ready to fight. No, I've got – 10 people wearing flip-flops with no weapons and a pig that I've got to walk through the woods for six miles into some uh, far-off field, and then that I'm training. This is the new leadership of the next government, right? That's how these things happen, and you build from there. And unfortunately, that's where I think we are. And so uh, while I... I might sound like I think that all hope is lost, but in reality, I'm just lamenting the fact that, my God, America is a third world country that has to be recaptured under the banner of liberty. And uh, it's going to be a lot of work, and we have to first start by identifying that the work needs to be done. Yeah, and I think it's really going to take what you were saying earlier, uh, hard times. To um to really uh, I mean obviously uh, hopefully it doesn't have to get uh, to the most extreme levels of my dark imagination but people are gonna have to hurt a lot more I think in order to wake up I'm certainly prepared for it like you were saying things are good right now I mean things are I would say things are great right now uh, in America still like you can still I mean you're in prison the fact that you're saying that says it all you know I'm a I'm a free man right now. Uh, but I'm fully aware that life right now is an absolute blessing in this country, and and it's it seems like it's so fleeting. Well, yeah, I mean, but until like this is really what what bugs me. You you realize I was sentenced to seven point two five years for one count of what the president is charged with. Title 18, U.S. Code, Section 793, ECHO, right, of the Espionage Act. One count of that, of which was completely ridiculous because the document was not classified. It was not a real document. It was a something I typed up myself. But 7.25 years is what I got. The, the president has 31 counts of that, right? Okay? So he's... If this is all legitimate, let's just take it and, and let's take it with a grain of salt and say that this is all legitimate. This isn't political theater meant to distract us. 
and that Trump's not a political actor who they just drag out whenever they don't want us to hear about audio recordings of uh, the Biden, right? So let's say he legitimately is facing an onslaught, right? He is the hero everyone says he is and, and so on and so forth. Why are we as Americans furious that some kid in, I think, Connecticut who leaked a slide to show off to his gamer friends is being held without bond on the same exact charges? You see, because see, that's equal protection under the law. That is all men are created equal. But see, no one wants to care about January 6th descendants or Jeremy Brown or this kid in Connecticut, right? But now that it's happened to Trump, now everybody cares, right? And see, that's we're never going to win that way. That's backwards. Right? That's we should all we should all be writing President Trump and say, "See, we told exactly." You. I mean, he's literally. He's the epitome of Martin Nehemiah's poem, right? He should be sitting in the courtroom right now, about to be arraigned, saying to himself, well, gee, first they came for the January 6ers, and I didn't do anything because I left before all that stuff happened at the Capitol. And, it, and then it came for the, the school board moms, but I, mean, I was at Mar-a-Lago, so I didn't do anything. And then they came, yeah, and now they've come for him. Yeah. Like, See, this is why I'm so frustrated with uh, former President Trump. Where was that that fighter that everybody was like, oh, we love Trump. He fights. He's fighting the deep state. Well, he hasn't done shit. No, 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 no. January 6th. No, and that was his baby. That was, that was his thing. He's been silent. He's literally been silent, and now he's going to sit in a courtroom the rest of us have been in jail cells for years. Yeah. Right? And and I don't want to see anybody, like, that kid in Connecticut should not be held without bond. These January 6th defendants should not be in jail. I'm not saying Trump should be in jail like them. What I'm saying is that um, why has it taken years and something happening to a single man who had the ability, I mean, he has billions of dollars, he could Paying for all the January 6th defendants' legal fees. Right? Yeah. Or at, le- yeah. or at least defend him with words. Told, at the very least. And he hasn't he done that. My, he told my elderly mother at Mar-a-Lago to her face that she was invited to an event there. And he told her, if I'm elected, I'll, I'll pardon your son. Wow. Uh, what, what, is this quid pro quo now? So now you have to get elected in order to do something? And see, this is why I'm critical of President Trump. And that's sacrosanct, right? You can't be, if you're critical of President Trump, you might as well be in the deep state. But see, that's the mindset that is plaguing this country right now. That is the two-party duopoly, the tyranny of two choices, psychological warfare that has been overlaid into the American psyche. Yeah, amen. We don't see, right, we don't see that it's not about one man, that this has been happening to Americans for years, and why hasn't that upset us? Why is some guy that most people are never, ever going to ever meet why is his liberty of freedom? When he has billions of dollars, none of these people on the sides of the street are, are going to stay at Mar-a-Lago because they can't afford it, right? Like, it's it's this twisted mindset that, oh, we've got to do it for Trump. And now they're like, oh, 
there might be riots and all this other stuff. Well, there should have been, you know, protest two years ago from what's happening. Yeah. Right? I mean, Ashley Babbitt's mom has been up in D.C. for months every single night. And there's small crowds there. But there's not Americans clamoring for justice, for truth. But now that it's happened from so in in kind of a way, I'm I'm hoping that that this goes forward because now people will pay attention because what's next? What's next is going to be seditious conspiracy for January sixth. Yeah. So I mean, if that's what it takes in order to wake the American people up, well then so be it. It's not right. But we've allowed it to happen to this point. Yeah. So we have to get out of this mindset of, oh, Trump, Trump, we got to stand out here. We got to stand behind the Constitution, right? And if Trump says something that's unconstitutional, we should get on his ass too, right? That's how we do this. I agree. And, and Their job is to serve uh, the Constitution, and that's it. And uh um, I mean, the only way we ever have a good country again in the future is when we get to the point where politicians serve the way that soldiers do or Marines. And, and what I mean by that is when I was in the Marine Corps, um, it's like we hated it, sort of, you know, because we were shit on and we realized that uh, and that's how it should be for politicians. Politicians should do two years and it should be miserable because the, the the people, we the people, should have our nose so far up their ass that they hate the job. And the only reason they love it is because they love their country. I believe that's possible someday. <laughs> it's a Just crazy like, dream. but if, if, if we were to go walk the line at any, at any Marine Corps deployment right now, all they would do is complain. Yep. Man, the food sucks, the sand sucks, my boots suck. And that's how it, that's how Congress should be, yeah. There's a saying in there, I can't remember what I was on there, something about soldiers complaining, right? <laughs> if a soldier's not complaining, he's not happy. Right. And see, that is service. And yep. yet, when you get out of the Marine Corps, you're, you're a Marine, and if you ever say anything bad about the Marines, I'll punch you in the nose, right? Yeah. I mean, that is service. Yeah. What, what these politicians do is not service. Ladies and gentlemen, these people are rich. Yeah. <laughs> and they most likely become rich because of their, and I'm using air quotations, service. Yeah. Okay? They're oligarchs. That is a service. And you can ask anybody who's ever served. Go to your pastor of your small local church. Go to uh, 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 the soldiers that you always see. Thank you for your service. That's service. Service is giving of yourself, not uh, making yourself rich. I couldn't agree more about Trump. Uh, Trump lost me with the vaccines. Andy lost me with January 6th. And uh, either one of those would have been enough. Uh, but there's, there's, there, there, you know, there's both of them. Uh, I don't even really... I was just going to say to, to, to wrap up my thought there really quick. I don't even really care about uh, the federal government. In my opinion, our biggest problem in this country is big government, and big government is synonymous with the federal government. I'd be happy with 1776 levels of the federal government, you know, like the Ron Paul revolution. Um, and Trump is all about a fat federal government, in my opinion. One of the, the, the only, I like RFK Jr. I can't help it. Because RFK Jr. says he's talking like Ron Paul. I'm with you. 
In fact, I think I mentioned that on my podcast last week that the, right now it's a Vivek Ramaswamy and, and RFK Jr. I mean, look, one, RFK Jr. is telling the truth and calling out the COVID nonsense. And two, he's publicly stated that the CIA was involved in the murder of his uncle. I mean, yeah. like, what other politician is going to admit what has been revealed in unclassified government documents? Yeah. None of them. And, so, and, and I heard somebody uh, somebody said something about, uh, oh, the, I think I've listened to Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and one of the callers was like, oh, well, the state needs to stand up. How are the states going to stand up when everyone in state government is only there as a step up to federal government? I mean, how many governors are running to be president? I mean, I would I would rather be a governor than the president because governors have more leadership capability yeah. and authority, and yet we've we've been it's the cult of the federal government, right? The federal government is meant to be nothing, right? I mean, read the Constitution, people. Ninety uh, percent of the laws passed by Congress they're not even authorized to pass. The Constitution says every single category for which they're allowed to pass laws in. Right. And yet here, and yet nobody cares. I mean, nobody likes it when I say standing armies are unconstitutional. And I'm retired from the standing army. And it's not just that the Constitution doesn't authorize a standing army, but then Hamilton in Federalist 28, I believe, explains exactly why. And his explanation sounds a lot like Eisenhower's farewell address and describes almost exactly what is going on right now, which is when you have a massive military, you must use it. And yeah. our military is so massive that we don't even just use it for ourselves, we use it for everybody else. And then we give away parts of it to Ukraine and all these other people, right? This is the massive standing army military industrial complex that the Constitution prohibits and that the founders feared, and yet you can't say that today because everyone thinks that a standing army has just been around ever since the Constitution. Uh, no. In fact, I think it was until World War One when they started to actually stand up a full-time professional army. I mean, so... Everything is completely out of whack because nobody knows anything about anything. <laughs> but, uh, Greg, I think you were trying to wrap up because I'll keep you here all day, buddy. <laughs> no, I know, and I appreciate it. And we're going to have to do this again. But I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to wrap up and, um, and hear when and where everyone can come and, uh, what is it, the uh, fusion? What's the, the, the fusion cell? The fusion cell. And I love that name. Yeah, and so uh, we are trying to keep it on track of doing nightly podcasts. I'm on from Monday through Thursday, uh, and, and we, we've, we're just working out the kinks of this new formatting, but what, what, what we're trying to do is tie all these disparate stories and everything to the military doctrine of unconventional warfare to show Americans how we lost our country. And so that's on, we come on approximately 8 p.m. Eastern Standard each night. And then Friday night, my, my co-host Jen and my former campaign commander, Kathy Chamberlain, do Friday nights. Uh, but it's on Rumble. 
and it's Jeremy Brown campaign, all one word is how you find it on Rubble, but the name of it is the Fusion Cell. Um, and yeah, I mean, certainly uh, give it a listen. And, and Greg, I want to thank you because I've always been an admirer of your work. Um, you always make a very, uh, very great observations, which I talk about observations and conclusions a lot. And you make amazing observations and your conclusions aren't half bad either. But everybody needs to start paying attention to observations and making their own conclusions. And so I appreciate all your work. I appreciate you giving me the time to speak out and, uh, and, uh, you know, I just, I really, uh, you know, we're, we're in one hell of a battle. It's, it's all we can do is, is fight for what we believe in. Yeah, no, I agree. Especially now, because I mean, uh, while we can, because it's, it's, if thing if we if we the people don't come together and unite, that's all going to be over. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, unless unless we run to the hills, which and, and that's something I tell people all the time. I don't have to do this. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, the speech Trump used to give, right? Hey, I'm a billionaire. I could have had a nice life, right? Well, see, I can survive. I can protect me and my girlfriend. Uh, I, I can go up in the hills and be that guy from. The um, Japanese island that comes down 50 years from now and ask if the war's over yet. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't have to do this. I just, I can't help myself. I'm sure you thought of that when they came to your door. I'm sure you thought about heading to the hills. I would have. Well, I mean, I have daughters and yeah. they have a world. I mean, I, I, I have to leave to them. And so, oh, I'm grateful you didn't. You say, you say that you can. But we never do, Greg. Yeah. You know what? Like, like you're on that deployment. You're like, screw Iraq or screw Afghanistan. I'm out of here. And then they're like, hey, we got a target outside the wire. Everybody picks up their gear and yeah. go because that's who we are. Yeah. We, that's what we were born to do. An actual servant part, right? You know, somebody who doesn't just pull out their camera and film the person getting beat up, but actually steps in like like the gentleman on the subway in New York, right? And people, in my opinion, people just don't understand that. Like the people that were the people that have lost a taste for liberty, they just don't understand how satisfying it is to uh, to live your life not chasing your own physical desires and pleasures and pains, but something deeper and something more meaningful. Uh, I think people don't. That's one of the reasons why I think people are addicted. Like you were saying, we're a country of addiction because people are depressed. And why are they depressed? Because they don't understand service, they don't. All they understand is is serving themselves. That'll make a person depressed. Well, yeah, I mean, and and it, all of that is intentional. I mean, it literally has been bred out of us. Yeah, right. We've been we've been forced into this complacency with the ease of everything, the abundance of everything, uh, and and yeah, liberty is being bred out of us, and so. They, they won't even have to have this, right? It, it'll be handed over voluntarily. And that's, that's why I think it's much like Aldous uh, Huxley in, in his letter to Orwell, uh, where he says, yeah, I, 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 I can see your 1984 you know, authoritarian, but he goes, I think it'll be much more like Brave New World, where, where people will just go along with it because we're going to, drug them 
and and overstimulate them. And that's really what I mean. We're seeing, you know, that that very real world letter between two dystopic authors who had inside view as as being part of whatever organizations that they were in, having this debate about how how this authoritarian world is going to pan out. And now we're living in it. I mean, we're living through Huxley's uh, prediction that that we would basically give it all away rather than having it taken with a boot on our face forever. So uh, hopefully we can change that. Yeah, hopefully we can.